This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. Today on the podcast, we have David Blake, Senior Research Scientist at Ames Research Center. David, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. So, David, your webinar in February addresses a handling device. So, to set the stage, uh, what can it do and what are the benefits of this device? Well, uh, it's, it's something that we've applied to X-ray diffraction, uh, powder X-ray diffraction, and uh, a requirement a requirement of powder X-ray diffraction is that you have to have millions of tiny crystals all in random orientation so you can get all the uh, different planes of uh, distances between planes and all the in all the minerals that are there and we weren't really able to do that on Mars uh, on the machine that I was building the X-ray diffractometer and so this powder uh, handling uh, movement system this little vibrating uh, thing actually takes larger than small, larger grains and uh, moves them in front of the beam. Uh, so it just takes, a, takes a, a, a smaller amount of large grain powder and effectively rotates the grains in space and moves them past uh, the beam uh, so that it has the appearance of, of myriads of tiny crystals. And so why is this uh, analysis being done? What are you uh, looking to, to find out and discover? Well, so uh, at least on Mars, and, and you know, this, this technique, X-ray diffraction, has, is, has been around for uh, 100 years. In fact, this is the, uh, the anniversary, 100th anniversary of the, of, the, uh, of the awarding of the Nobel Prize to von Laue in 1914. Uh, so anyway, the, the technique's been around for a long time. Uh, it was really never used on, on another planet, on Mars, uh, uh, but it's been used quite a, quite a lot in, in industry and and, uh, and academia. So so what it does is is if if you have a, a, a mineral uh, or uh, an inorganic compound that's crystalline, it can identify what that compound or mineral is. And uh, specifically uh, for Mars, we're looking at almost four billion year old rocks on uh, on Mars in, in Gale Crater. Uh, if you know all the minerals that are contained in a rock, uh, the suite of minerals in a rock, then you know the environment in which that rock was formed. So was it, was it a mudstone formed in a lake? Was it volcanic? And so forth. So, so by, uh, by doing this uh, powder X-ray diffraction on Mars, we're able to tell you what the environment was when those rocks were laid down as sediments. And it's currently on the Mars rover? That's right, yeah. Yeah, we've been up there for... Uh, we're through the, the regular mission. We're into an extended mission. We've traveled about eight kilometers, and we're now uh, slowly climbing up Mount Sharp, which is the central mound in Gale Crater. Can you go through with the technology and what it looks like and, and how it works? Sure. Well, you can think of it as basically a, a, a powered tuning fork. Uh, the, the little piezo driver, the little piezo stack, is, is put between the arms of a tuning fork, and that's just what our sample holders look like. And uh, each arm of the tuning fork has a sample cell in it. And so when you when you vibrate the holder, the sample cell, which contains uh, powdered material, coarse grain powdered material, effectively the, the material flows like a liquid in the cell. Uh, and uh, by doing that, we're able to get a, a, a uniform uh, diffraction pattern 
from all of the crystals that are in that cell in random orientations. And what makes this device able to operate in uh, such difficult conditions? Well, uh, I mean, you know, on, on Earth, well, I can tell you because I've been doing this stuff since the uh, mid-70s, uh, 1970s, <laughs> on, on Earth, mm -hmm. uh, when you want to do powder X-ray diffraction, you grind the material down until it's really the, the consistency of face powder. So it, if you can feel any graininess between your fingers when you, when you're, you, you put a little pinch in there, then it's too coarse. And so it takes literally tens of minutes by hand to grind these powders. There are machines that do it as well, but essentially you have to have this very, very fine-grained powder and in order to do powder diffraction. And uh, we, we can't do that on Mars. Uh, if we made a powder like that on Mars, we couldn't transfer it uh, to the sample holder without contaminating the whole sample path with that powder, and then the next one has part of the previous one in it. So we had to find a different way to do things. Uh, now, uh, so this this actually, uh, it, it's very easy to transfer, for example, grains that are 125 microns in diameter. That's about the diameter of a human hair. So it, it's easy to transfer that material and not really have a lot of contamination. So those are the those are the size grains that we use in, in this instrument called Kemen on Mars. The reason this is kind of a cool technique on the Earth as well. Uh, Obviously, they have machines that can grind powder to that consistency that they norm that they need. But uh, there are a lot of powders that really there are a lot of, of, of materials, inorganic materials or or organic materials that really can't tolerate that kind of uh, that, that, that kind of grinding. Uh, pharmaceuticals, for example, uh, you know, certain. Uh, in, inorganic compounds that just simply lose their crystal structure on their ground. And uh, especially for pharmaceuticals, uh, you have these, you know, organic compounds that are crystallized, and, and if you were to grind them to a, a fine-grained powder, you would lose uh, the, the whole structure of, 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 the, of the, the crystallinity. So it's really a way of getting around uh, that kind of thing on the earth. What other possibilities are there? Can you do, can you do work with hazardous materials, uh, geology? Uh, what are the other possibilities yeah. on Earth? Uh, well, for example, uh, uh, in, a, in a, a portable instrument, uh, you could go to the side of, a, of a, a spill of an unknown powder or hazardous powder and collect the material and analyze it right on site. And you really wouldn't have to, uh, you know, grind the material. You don't really need a lot of material to do this uh, effectively. The cell that contains the material, uh, the one on Mars, uh, we have about 10 cubic millimeters of material, which is just a little pinch uh, in the cell. And this small amount of material, even though there are only a, only a few hundred, you know, of these large grains in there, uh, over time those grains fall in front of the beam and, and uh, effectively have the appearance of a of a of a large suite of, of fine grain powdered materials. So. Uh, essentially, you don't need very much material. Uh, something the size of a, a baby aspirin uh, is, is as much as you need, and quite often even less than that. So, yeah, you could take some unknown crystalline material somewhere, and, and uh, w you know, without contaminating a lot of sample prep equipment, look at it as uh, as received, uh, and and get an answer. What have the results shown from what you've uh, picked up on on Mars? 
Well, I, I think the most exciting result <clears throat> was uh, what was uh, in a place called Yellowknife Bay, and we we uh, we landed and traveled about 700 meters in the wrong direction, in the direction away from where we wanted to be, because we saw something interesting. It looked like a, a, an area of, of hard ground or, or maybe even a, a, an ancient dry lake bed. So we, we drilled that and, and put that stuff in the Kemen instrument, and uh, sure enough, we found uh, clays, we found uh, uh, a whole suite of minerals that, that basically told us that this was a uh, an ancient dry lake bed, that the water was... Uh, more or less uh, circumneutral pH, so it was about pH 7. It wasn't pH 10. It wasn't uh, very acidic, you know, pH 2 or 3 or whatever. And it, it was of low ionic strength, so it was effectively fresh water. Uh, and uh, there were minerals in there which could have been used by organisms to, to, uh, uh, to, to use the energy for, for life. So effectively what we call this in astrobiology is a habitable environment. So... Uh, it was the first habitable environment discovered uh, off the Earth and, and the first one on Mars, and that was done with uh, X-ray diffraction mineralogy. So so what's next for you in this technology? What are you working on now? Oh, man. Well, uh, we have a number of different, you know, modifications to this for various purposes. We have field instruments that uh, I take in the field uh, and, and use, and... Uh, it's kind of changed the dynamic of what you do in the field uh, rather than, you know, in the old days or the old days being a few years ago, you would go out in the field, collect a bunch of rocks, you'd have an idea about what it all meant, then come back to the lab and, and months later maybe find out what the minerals are and then see if your idea was was, was right or, or if it was wrong. Uh, nowadays, uh, we can just take this thing out in the field, do an analysis on the spot, and uh, change our hypothesis, uh, change directions, look somewhere else. Uh, so it, it really kind of, you know, cuts a lot of, uh, of dead time out of, out of doing the research. What do you think is the most exciting uh, part of your, your mineralogy uh, work, would you say? Well, I, I just really enjoyed uh, certainly the, the mineralogy coming back from Mars. It's always a a bit of a surprise, uh, you know, we run the instrument uh, a day later that the data comes back and, and uh, we, you know, process it and, and voila, we know all the minerals in this little powder that's, you know, maybe 200 million miles away uh, on the surface of Mars. That's certainly, the, that's, that's certainly a highlight. Uh, another thing that, that really interests me is, is uh, pharmaceuticals and uh, People may know that uh, in developing nations, at least half of the drugs in developing nations, uh, drugs for tuberculosis or HIV or malaria, are counterfeit. And uh, the the way that the standard way that you can identify counterfeits is X-ray diffraction. That's what pharmaceutical labs do uh, in the first place. So uh, I'm I'm working to I'm, I'm trying to work to develop the capability to go in-country in some of these developing nations and try and uh, identify and eliminate counterfeits from, uh, uh, from, you know, from these developing nations. Well, David, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me. I thought this was a really interesting conversation. Oh, you're welcome.